This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. The Jewish holiday of Hanukkah began at sundown on Thursday. Also known as the Festival of Lights, the celebration has taken on new meaning in the context of the war in Gaza. Jews have been celebrating Hanukkah for about 22 to 2300 years. The Syrian Greeks had a cultural war against the Jewish people. They weren't trying to kill the Jews. They wanted to kill the Jewish culture. That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. The state resiliency office leader in charge of flood mitigation says his office lacks the expertise to get the federal matching grant money now available. Randy Yowie has more. Melissa Roberts, executive director of the American Flood Coalition, told the Joint Legislative Committee on Flooding members Sunday there is more federal funding available for flood mitigation than ever before. She said the matching money is in the billions of dollars. One dollar of state investment put up can bring down anywhere from five to seven to nine dollars of federal investment. However, West Virginia State Resiliency Officer Bob Martin told committee members his office is challenged with organizational bureaucracy hurdles to apply for grants and federal funds. Currently, we can't, partly because most of the federal dollars right now are going to other agencies. Martin says he's working with several agencies to better obtain grants and federal funds. Flood committee members voted to help find solutions to the problem. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Randy Yowie in Charleston. A federal college financial aid form is being simplified. But as Chris Schultz reports, the timeline is causing concern. The free application for federal student aid, commonly known as FAFSA, unlocks both federal and state financial aid for students. The 10-page document can be daunting for both students and parents. For the past three years, the U.S. Department of Education has been working to simplify it. Sarah Armstrong-Tucker is the chancellor of the Higher Education Policy Commission. She told the Legislative Oversight Commission on Education Accountability Sunday that the changes are welcome, but are causing delays for college applicants. Typically, we would have had from October the 1st of 2023 through now, for our high school seniors to have been filling out that document. They have not been. Moreover, this is a new FAFSA, so we haven't seen it. Tucker says the new form will be released in January. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Chris Schultz in Morgantown. The average age of farmers in Kentucky is going up, raising questions about the difficulty young farmers face entering the agriculture industry. Mason Gail Moore from WKMS spoke with Kentuckians and industry experts about why it's harder for young farmers to lay down roots. Starting a farm is like starting a family. There's a whole world of new smells, bills, and weird stains on your clothes. Shay Lowe of Callaway County started a farm with her husband Scott in 2002. After a little more than two decades, Shay still remembers how difficult those early years were. When we got started, we were young, but we had no family invested in the farm. None on his side, none on my side. You start from zero. Now both 41, the lows are still well under the average age of the American farmer, which the U.S. Department of Agriculture recently announced has increased from 56 to 57 and a half years old. As first-generation farmers, the pair are in the vast minority of the industry. The Washington Post reports that 96% of farms in the U.S. are multi-generational. 
A 2022 survey conducted by the National Young Farmers Association indicated some of the biggest challenges are access to farmland and capital, student loan debt, access to health care, affordable housing, and the increasing impacts of climate change. Starting out, the Lowe's borrowed farm equipment and had to take out loans to get their operation running. But she says the struggle has been worth it if farming is what you want to do. Now, it can be draining and taxing and stressful, but I mean, what part of life is it? Just kind of one step in front of the other and just keep pursuing because it is possible. Operating a multi-generational farm has its challenges as well. 16-year-old Ty Jones plans to take over his family's seven-generation cattle farm near Scottsville, Kentucky. Jones started helping his family with a ranch before he could walk. He actually got his first calf on the day he was born. I have a passion for agriculture. I have a passion for cows. I want to continue the legacy that my family has left to me. USDA data indicates that land in Kentucky costs an average of $5,000 per acre, with the average cost of equipment at $500 per acre. Those costs are one of the biggest barriers to young farmers. The decline in young farmers is raising concern about the fate of many farms in the bluegrass state. Outgoing Agriculture Commissioner Ryan Quarles says only a third of Kentucky farmers have identified who their successor will be. The traditional model was a child would take over the farming operation. When you have an aging average age of a farmer, the traditional model is no longer working. To grow a successful farm, many in the industry build their businesses slowly over time. Caldwell County farmer Jake Jones has tended to his family's land since he was in grade school. But over the years, he's expanded his business to tend other people's land and reinvested his profits to expand. If you're farming just for the money, you'll never make much money farming. If you're farming and you're looking at your farm as an investment to your future, you'll be all right. Now 34, Jones cultivates roughly 2,500 acres around Princeton. He says the work is hard, but he can't imagine doing anything else. I'm pretty sure that if I threw it all away and went to do something else, I'd always wish that I had kept farming. Even whenever, when it's not so great, it'll be better one of these days. <laughs> it's got a, the farmer mentality, it'll be better next year. The most recent census of agriculture, released in 2017, found that more than 13,000 people aged 35 and under work as farmers. New data on the number of young farmers in the U.S. will be released in early 2024. I'm Mason Gelmore in Murray. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 7.50. A winter storm warning remains in effect for the eastern mountains through 1 o'clock today. A chance of snow in the east, mostly cloudy skies, highs in the 30s. Tonight, partly cloudy, lows in the teens and 20s, and mostly sunny tomorrow with highs in the 40s. Support for WVPB is provided by Charitable Gift Planners of West Virginia, inspiring citizens to support their favorite charities through their wills and planned gifts. Online at charitablegiftplanners.org. The Jewish holiday of Hanukkah began at sundown on Thursday, also known as the Festival of Lights. The celebration has taken on new meaning in the context of the war in Gaza. 
Reporter Chris Schultz spoke with Rabbi Zalman Gurevich of the Ror Hubad Jewish Student Center at West Virginia University on the first night of Hanukkah. Can you tell me a little bit about your congregation here at WVU? We're part of the worldwide Chabad Lubavitch movement. We have about 5,000 Chabad houses around the world. A Chabad center in any given city would be there to meet the Jewish needs of the Jewish community in that city. On a college campus, it's the same idea. It's just that we're hyper-focused on serving college students. We're also the only Chabad in West Virginia, so our responsibility covers any Jewish need in the entire state. So sometimes, you know, we use the U.S. Postal Service or whatever it is to meet those needs. I can't always go in person, but that's what we try to do. Tell me a little bit about the Hanukkah holiday. Hanukkah is not a biblical holiday. Jews have been celebrating Hanukkah for about 22 to 2300 years. The Assyrian Greeks had a cultural war against the Jewish people. It wasn't a physical war. They weren't trying to chase the Jews out of Israel. They weren't trying to kill the Jews. They wanted to kill the Jewish culture. And there was a group of priests called Maccabees, and they set out to fight the Assyrian Greeks. Miraculously, they won. And the day they won, they came to the temple, and in the temple there was a candelabria called a menorah. And in order to light the temple, they had to use oil. But this oil had to be oil that was never touched by a person that was impure. Now, the Assyrian Greeks, when they came to the temple, remember, their goal was it was a cultural war. So they didn't, they didn't steal the oil or ruin the oil. They just opened up all the jugs of oil, which made it impure so the priests couldn't use it to light the menorah. Finally, they found one little jug, and that little jug only had enough oil to last for one night. Nevertheless, they have faith, and they lit the menorah that night, and it took them eight days to get new oil. During, during all those eight days, the, the, the candelabria remained lit. So to remember that, we light candles for eight days. We start off with one candle the first night, and then we go up to eight days. What does Hanukkah mean today in the modern context? Why, why celebrate and recognize this? Hanukkah is unique amongst all the other Jewish customs and practices. Your neighbor might be Jewish, and you would never know. There's nothing that your neighbor has to do that will make you find out he's Jewish. Hanukkah is the only time where the obligation and fulfillment of the commandment is by, by lighting the menorah in a place where the public can see it. And the idea is that we're recognizing the great miracle that God did for us, and we're recognizing it in a public way. And it helps us realize that just like God did miracles for us back in those days, and it was five people against the big army, so too, today, God will continue to do miracles for us. So I think Hanukkah has even more meaning this year when we're in one of the darkest times for the Jewish people. And our focus always has to be to add on light. You know, not, you know, you can't chase away darkness with sticks and stones. It's just about adding on light, you know, being kind, being good, and doing the right thing, and then the world around you will be a better place. So the focus should be on adding acts of goodness and kindness, and that makes the entire world a better place. So what does this opportunity for community mean, both generally and more specifically, as you were saying, in the political context that we find ourselves now? 
So I think for many you know, Jewish students or Jewish community members, um, a lot of them, their Judaism was kind of doormat for a while, and the events of October 7th kind of served as a wake-up call. And, you know, when someone hates you so much that they're willing to do such horrendous acts against you, that makes you think, you know, what do I stand for? Who am I? And I have seen students that haven't shown up in years or community members that haven't been involved that are now getting involved because, you know, they realize that there's something, you know, to be part of and they want to be part of the light and, you know, you know do something positive. So that makes it even more meaningful than previous years. Is there anything about uh, the next week that you were looking forward to, or most looking forward to, I mean? For me, Hanukkah has many lessons to it. Um, my favorite lesson and what I look forward to is that on the first night, we only light one candle. And on the second night, we only light two candles. And then we have to wait until the eighth night to get up to the eighth candle. And, you know, just sitting around the candles and watching the candles burn, you know, gives a certain calmness. It also teaches us a lesson that every person is always trying to become better. And, and sometimes we, you know, we wake up in the morning, we decide, that's it, we're going to turn our life around, and then we only last for a day or two. So Hanukkah teaches us that when you want to go from a d- darkness to light, you have to take it in steps. You know, if you did one candle today, do two, do candles tomorrow. That way you can establish a change that will last. I like taking that message away from Hanukkah, and you know, especially with New Year's, everyone's making resolutions and you know, big stuff, and you know, this kind of keeps, keeps us intact and helps us you know, make meaningful changes. That was Rabbi Zalman Gurevich speaking with reporter Chris Schultz about the Jewish holiday Hanukkah, which ends at sundown Friday. You can find a longer version of this interview on our website at wvpublic.org. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from Shepherd University. Our Appalachia Health News Project is made possible with support from CAMC and Marshall Health. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Brianna Heaney, Caroline McGregor, Chris Schultz, Curtis Tate, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Liz McCormick, and Randy Yowie. Caroline McGregor is our assistant news director, and she produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning. <music>